Not sure what uh, the rest of your morning plans are, but if you're able to kind of tune in to our live stream at 11, we'll have uh, seven actually more uh, being baptized at 11. And so uh, it'd be great just to be able to join in on their celebration and time, uh, which also always is a conflicting way to, for me to kind of figure out, okay, what do I do with one at one service and seven at the other? How do I prepare a message? <coughs> uh, and so you're going to get a little bit of the extended version, although don't be worried about this. Uh, it's not extended more than normal, just extended compared to what uh, we're going to have here at 11 o'clock. But we're, uh, you know, moving into the season of Advent and that preparing ourselves for the coming as we recognize the coming of Christ as a baby and also looking ahead and forward to the coming of Christ again. uh, We celebrate this moment in a time and a season where we recognize that it's all filled with different thoughts and different emotions. Some of you may be moving into a season of very active, very busyness from different work obligations to family obligations to just the hustle and bustle of the season. Others may be moving into a very sad, very lonely time thinking of relationships that are not there or relationships that have passed. Some of you may be entering into a moment of unknown because you don't know what that future will be. And in all of these things, we bring them before the Lord. We bring them to the season of Advent, looking towards him and then not into what may be happening and going on in our situations. One of the things that I've been learning, one of the things that I've been even growing in my own understanding and a uh, realization is a, a holistic view of what it is to be healthy. I love that word healthy because I think it's very common for anyone to understand what that means, whether we're talking about healthy in a sense of being uh, physically fit or whether we're talking healthy about emotional health or maybe uh, intellectual health, uh, even in that idea of how to be uh, relationally healthy. That word fits a lot of different things. In fact, when we think about it, unhealthy developments can invent or uh, inevitably lead us to fail to see ourselves as whole people. We struggle sometimes because we neglect certain parts of who we are. Oftentimes we fall into fact where we'll neglect maybe the physical or the emotional or the social, the, the intellectual. We've seen even in our own society how some of those things that we neglect will lead to very unhealthiness. And yet we also look at that list and we say, well, even if I was healthy in all those areas, there's still something more than just that about who we are. The fact is, as we understand, hopefully in this world of the Christian world that we live in, that we have a soul. In fact, Jesus told us is the soul that is what is going to live for eternity. Tells us in the story of Mark chapter 8 as he's talking about Denying yourself, he says, for what does it profit a man to gain the whole world and yet forfeit his soul? For what can a man give in return for his soul? Now, some have taken that to say that the soul becomes greater than anything else and the soul is the only thing that matters and they end up neglecting the intellectual, the physical, the social, the emotional. And so we're not saying that you should neglect those things, but what we're saying is that there is something even greater than those things. And that the soul matters. In fact, during this season that we're coming upon, it's this time and this focus to think about the souls that we can learn some lessons from Mary. 
In fact, I titled it this, uh, this series as the idea of the ageless lessons because not only are we learning lessons from a first century teenage Jewish girl, but we're learning lessons that whether you're five or you're 95 still has significance and meaning to us. You see, that part of us of the soul, that is what Jesus said we should not lose and we should not neglect compared to what else we could gain in this life, is valuable lessons for us to be thinking about and processing and and even praying and, and working through as we move into a season of Advent. In fact, if you want to turn in your Bibles to Luke chapter 1, we're going to spend some time looking at this Song of Mary. I've always been fascinated by her because uh, I've had some teenage girls and uh, seen them at the ages between 12 and 14, roughly when Mary was. And uh, I got to be honest, there's some times where I would think, what am I really learning from a 12 to 14-year-old girl? Yet once my pride gets out of the way, once my own arrogance gets out of the way, I realize there's a lot I could learn from my own daughters and a lot I can learn from Mary. And as Mary goes through this moment, she comes to this time after she's visited with Elizabeth, after uh, the archangel has come and spoken to her, she comes and sings this song. And so we're going to take some time uh, over this series and just break this down, kind of look at this kind of piece by piece. And so this morning, we're only going to see the first two verses, but we're going to spend some time here. And Mary said, my soul magnifies the Lord, my spirit rejoices in God, my Savior. Let's just take a moment and pray. Lord, wherever we may be at this morning, whatever the emotions we've gone through this week, whatever the physical demands, the intellectual struggle, the relational tensions, Lord, we take this moment for our soul to be able to connect, our soul to be able to be front and center to think about, to process what your spirit is leading through your word. And so, Lord, we pray that Mary's lessons would be ageless because your word is ageless. Father, we thank you. We love you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. One of the fascinating things here about Mary is in this moment, you could think about all the stuff that she is going through. You and I can relate because we have gone through those things. Now, it might not be necessarily one for one. We're not talking about being in the first century as a young Jewish woman being pregnant out of wedlock, but we can also understand in this moment, she was feeling that physical challenge. We've had moments of being physically challenged. Obviously, being pregnant and all the challenges that would be, but yet in that time and space would would be significant. And there have been moments when you have, I'm sure, been physically challenged, as well as you've probably felt socially rejected at times. Mary, realizing she was out of wedlock, not uh, having just what would conceivably be the, the way everyone else is conceived, and she's conceived as a virgin, It's not going to be accepted by the the peers around her, the people around her. Even her own fiancé potentially could leave her in this moment, and so she's feeling socially rejected. Emotionally, I'm sure the, the, the thoughts and the fear is gripping her about what is to come. 
And we've all been emotionally fearful. We've all been worried about what is to come, what is going to happen. And obviously intellectually confused to not, not knowing how can this be and, and what is happening, even, even processing this isn't normal. It's, it's all the stuff that you and I can, can relate to. There's nothing in this that, that we wouldn't or hadn't had some type of experience in this moment. And yet, the beauty of Mary is that in the midst of all this, her soul worships. Her soul worships. You see the opening line here, as you see, and we've talked about this before, is that uh, Hebrew, uh, that poetic uh, uh, idea of uh, pluralism. She isn't trying to say two different things by magnifying and rejoicing, but she's saying the, the same things, that even though the intellect, the social, the emotional, the physical, it, it is her soul that is going to magnify the Lord. And of course, the, the, the Lord or God can't be any bigger but he can be bigger by the way that he is known by how we react. And so she has an opportunity to magnify God into the people or the world around her by how her soul responds in this moment. Her soul is enlarging the Lord in her life. I just, I, I love that thought if you think about it. Like whatever we're going through, whatever we're dealing with, but, but in that moment, our soul can, can enlarge the Lord in our life. It doesn't change who he is, but it makes him bigger in what we're doing or what is going on or what is happening. That her voice proclaims greater words than ever before. This is what Mary is doing. That as she is pondering a God who could do what he did in my womb, what else or what more could he do uh, in the entire universe? That God, with God, as Mary says, all things are possible. I don't know if you have those moments in your life that you can look back on where God has showed up in big moments. I don't know if they have happened to you. I don't know if you uh, recognize them or, or known them. For, for me, it's been significant in certain times when I can remember as a, as a 16-year-old, as a 19-year-old, as a 28-year-old, and then you know, in my 30s, and, and then other times where just God showed up in ways that I have no other explanation other than saying it was God. It was God. That's where Mary's at right in this moment. She has no other explanation other than saying, God is doing this, and I am going to fully lean in on it so that my soul will magnify and, and rejoice in what he is doing. These big moments for God are opportunities that you and I have to magnify him. Now, we're not here to proclaim something different than what Scripture says. We're, we're here to, to echo the same things that Scripture are saying, but we tell it in our own personal stories where God has shown up when there wasn't any other explanation. And we get to magnify God. Our soul gets to proclaim Him. It's, just, it's more than just the intellectual. It's more than just, you know, just showing up to church. It's more than just, just kind of going through the religious activities. But it is an opportunity to, to magnify Him in these large stories. Now, ponder Mary's faith for a moment. 
ponder that in this moment, it's more than her just saying words. It's more than her just repeating it back to others. It's more than just her, you know, well, this is my soul time, so I'm just gonna, gonna do what I need to do during my soul time. There was something that was gripping everything about her, even though intellectually and socially and emotionally, physically, there were all these other things going on. Her soul was magnifying God greater than those things in this moment. How do we know that? Well, earlier on in verse 38, she said to, to Gabriel, behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. This act of willingness, obedience is backing up her words of magnifying the Lord. Now think about it. We've got a lot of people these days, they love to magnify themselves, right? Right? They love to magnify or, or say the words. They love to, to act out the part by, by just their, their, their narratives and their image. But very few are doing it not only with their words, but then with their willingness and obedience. And so Mary's magnification of Christ comes at even a greater power, greater impact because of her willingly obedience that she has. This willingness and obedience. You know, it's not only just in these large moments, but on the other hand, it's just, it, it can be in any moments that we have. If you're sitting here and saying, well, I don't have kind of a merry story. I don't have these big major things. Well, you know what? It's never just in the big moments because in all of scripture, when you see things happening and going on, it's the idea that God delights as we are faithful even in the little. And faithfulness, obedience, gentleness, living a quiet life. These are things that God amplifies and says that are good that we should lean into. And so when those big moments come, we can magnify and rejoice God, but even in the little things and the everyday things of your just willingness to be faithful in what is in front of you. I found that to be so relieving, so, so burdenless to think about. I don't have to worry about the big things all the time. I don't have to worry about the things that are coming or all the stuff that's 10 steps down the road, but just what's in front of me now. To be faithful and willingness and to be obedient in that. And then as I'm doing what's right in front of me now, to let it be an act of worship. And, and, and magnify the Lord. And so our souls need to rejoice in all ways. So what can a young teenage Mary know? I, I didn't purposely say, what did Mary know? Or, or you know, I'm not going to sing that song, or we can get into that debate, whatever. Mary, did you know? <clears throat> but what did a young teenage Mary know? Well, I think there's three important things. I think first she knew, even without any education, there wasn't any schooling for, for Christian thought back and then. She just was probably faithfully going to the temple. She was faithfully going and learning throughout the feasts, as we had shared in the summer. All the feasts were telling about the history and also about well, the coming of Christ. Mary was just faithful in those things. What did she learn? What did she know? Well, she knew that we're never without access to worship. It's one of the things that Jesus said when he was talking to the woman at the well. He said that there's going to become a time when true worshipers are going to worship in, in spirit and truth. And we can, we can worship God at, at any moment. You can be driving in your car worshiping God. 
You, you can be at work in a moment of just saying, my, my soul needs to magnify and worship the Lord. Words might not even come out of your mouth, but in your, in your thoughts and in your mind, you are worshiping and magnifying the Lord. It might be at conversations around the dinner table. It might be in all sorts of things. We are never without access to worship. And also, worship shifts our attention. I find it very easy when those moments that we see Mary in to have our attention really be on ourselves. We're very quick to shift towards a pity party for ourselves. Woe is me for all the things that I have to deal with. You don't understand what I am going through. Nobody knows what I am dealing with. These are phrases we use and they're extremely unhealthy. Because it's about ourselves and it's about our situation and our soul isn't allowing to shift its attention. And so, just as the psalmist says, when I remember your testimonies, I turn my feet towards you. We need to remember the testimonies of God that our soul turns our attention towards him. And the reality that Mary knows is that her soul is going to long for something. Like the body longs for water, our soul will long for something. Your soul is going to worship something. I think that was part of what Jesus was getting at when he talked about the idea that you can't serve money and, and something else because the idea is that our soul will be longing to worship something. And many times we fall into the traps of, uh, of just allowing it to just worship whatever brings us the most sense of comfort and peace in the moment. So if we think it's money, then, then we're going to worship money. If we think it's a relationship and the, and the happiness of a, 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 of a relationship, then we're going we're gonna to worship the relationship. If we think it's in some kind of, uh, you know, pseudo figure or some kind of idol that we have, then we're going to worship those things. And so Mary, realizing that our soul is going to worship, like David said, as the deer panthus for the water, so my soul longs after you. Her intentionality of wanting her soul to magnify and rejoice the Lord is a reminder for us. Well, what do we do in all this? What do we say? Well, here's a few quick lessons I think we can walk away from here. Our soul, our worship is soul satisfaction. Realize that worship is not just you singing good songs or you coming to church, but that worship is recognizing that you have a soul and it will worship something and therefore I want it to worship the God of the universe. I want it to worship the God who is my savior. I want it to worship the lover of my soul who gave his life for it. And let worship be soul satisfaction. And it doesn't have to be just music too. We use it in that term all the time, but worship can just be willingness to praise God in the gifts that he's given to you as you help others or you as you welcome people into your home or as you, you give somebody in need and give generously to those that, that might need it or it, it might just be a time when you just sit down and you, you just thank the Lord for the goodness in your life. Worship can be all sorts of different expressions, but it is what your soul is longing for and it is satisfied in worship. Mary knew this as she was magnifying and rejoicing in that. 
Be careful what we give the most of our attention to because we're very prone and easy to fade away, to, to be distracted. We're very prone to, to, to create something else other than God, and so we need to be mindful of these things. That's why something like a, a mason jar Advent activity is not just an Advent activity. It's not just something to check off your list as a good Christian person to do or your family should do, but it is a mindful reminder that I don't want my soul to be attached or to give, be given to something else. That my soul has value and worth and is longing like my body for water to worship. And so I want it to worship. So I'm going to routinely put in my life moments when I just pause and worship the Lord. Whatever your rhythm of life is, maybe it's in driving, maybe it's in a break, maybe it's at home, maybe it's in a certain walk around the neighborhood, whatever it may be in the rhythms of your life, let your soul worship the Lord because you are mindful that it will get attention somewhere. And so I wanted to worship the Lord. And finally, again, don't neglect a holistic view of who you are. Don't neglect your body, your emotional, your intellectual, your relational, your social. Those are valuable. Those are important. But when they fall short or when they can't bring you to a full grasp or there is still something more that's longing, let it be your soul that lifts them up in worship. There's two times in my life that I can remember very vividly. Struck with grief in both those times when physically, emotionally, intellectually, relationally, I had nothing to give. I had no words. And the only thing in that moment I knew what to do was just to sing worship songs before the Lord. It's the only thing I had at that time. It's the only thing in that moment that, that made sense in any of this stuff, that this was temporal and that there was something more eternal out there. And my soul was reminding my intellect, my emotions, my body, my relations in those relationships, that social time in that moment, that it was my soul was to bring rejoice and magnify the Lord with nothing else I could give. It doesn't have to be just in these big moments. But in these moments, let your soul be the one who rejoices. Let your soul be the one who magnifies who God is.